If you have your Bibles, I need you to turn to a couple of places. We're going to be, uh, as we've been going on Sunday nights, we've been looking at Abraham. Well, we now have moved on and we're going to look at a man by the name of Joseph. If you have your Bibles, I need you to turn to Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20. Genesis 50, 20. And just kind of put your finger on that and then go back a few chapters to chapter 30. And you'll be looking at uh, verse number 24. And uh, we're just going to kind of touch base with that. Then we're going to move on. In Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20... And I'm paraphrasing here. The Bible says that they meant it for evil, but God turned it into good so that many will be saved. Now, go back to the 30th chapter, and we see in verse number 24, it's dealing with Rachel. And the Bible tells us in that verse that a child was born, and she called his name Joseph, which means that he has added another son. This morning, this, yeah, right, this morning, this evening, we're going to be looking at a simple message entitled, How Dysfunctional Can Become Functional. When you look at the life of Joseph, you will truly see from the very uh, beginnings, Joseph came into a very dysfunctional family. Now, you think you have a dysfunctional family. I don't know if you can compare it with Joseph's. But as we go through scriptures and many times over, we see that people, uh, men and women that the Lord used... Uh, they had some dysfunctional about them. We see that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they were all lied. We see Peter, he denied Christ. We see that John the Baptist even had some doubts about Christ. And, and we can go on and on and on, and we'll see that many that God used in a mighty way, they, uh, they had some issues <laughs> But when you come to Joseph, there is not in Scripture, there is no recording that he committed a sin. Now we understand, of course, Joseph sinned because there was only one perfect one and his name's the Lord Jesus Christ, right? But as far as recorded, we see Joseph was an example of what a godly person should look like. Now, <clears throat> setting the stage here, we uh, have already alluded to that uh, Joseph uh, came into a dysfunctional family. First of all, we uh, see that the miracle of his birth. Now, we know uh, his daddy. His daddy is Jacob. And we see that Jacob fell in love with a girl by the name of Rachel. A little problem there. Cousins. 
Sounds a little dysfunctional to me, but... But then we go on and see that uh, Laban, <laughs> when he was getting ready to marry Rachel, and on the night of their wedding, Laban sends Leah, his other girl, they had a relationship, produced children. But the, the, the story doesn't stop there. We now see that now Jacob, Joseph's daddy, has two wives in the same household. Now, this would be a good place to be a little cute and funny, but it's really not a cute or funny story. There's two women, two wives. One of them's there by deception. You see where we're going with this? Now, we, we continue on and we see there's jealousy now and there's envious in the household. Now, Rachel, she's not going to be outdone because the Bible says that uh, she was barren. She could not have children. And so now she goes to her handmaiden and says, go ahead and uh, be with Jacob. And of course, that's what happened. They produce children. Leah, now she's getting jealous. She's getting envious. And so she's not able to have children at that particular time. So she goes to her handmaiden and she goes and they have a relationship with Jacob. And now they produce more children. And then we see later on, Leah, did you see, I mean, this is a story that uh, is out of the newspapers today. There, there's all kinds of uh, stuff like this. So a lot of dysfunction going on within our families today. And so now Leah, produces three more children and so here's Jacob with ten boy uh, uh, ten boys and he also has a girl God and, and I can't help but stop here this this story helps me to understand that God has a sense of humor he says okay I'm going to go ahead and Make it to where she can have children. And that's how Joseph came into the picture. He's the 11th child in this family. He is in a household or has a family. His daddy has four wives and they now have 11 children. Now, I don't know what your definition of dysfunction is, but I think that's a pretty good picture of what dysfunction is. Joseph is born into that situation. But then we see as you continue reading the, the life of Joseph, and uh, you bear with me now because we're building up to, uh, to something that we really need to camp out and, and to settle on. And, and so here, Joseph is born into the... Now he's, he's the last. He's, a, uh, he's the low man on the totem pole. But as in his early childhood, the family has to move. Now, why are they having to move? Because Jacob had a better job opportunity? No. They're having to move because of deception. That's the reason why they had to move. And now, as they're on their journey, we see, and I'm, uh, I'm going through this very quickly here because we've got to get to our point. Then we see not only the miracle of his birth, but we also see the mess of his childhood. So now they're moving because of Jacob's deception. Now granddaddy comes into the picture. 
and he's having words with daddy. And the reason why they're having this argument, if you will, is because granddaddy's upset because somebody took the idols out of his household. Now, so here's what we got. We got a man who, who is a liar, his daddy, has four wives. Was, they came by deception. They came out of jealousy. They came out of even, uh, uh, being, uh, people being envy with one another. Now we're thrown into the mix. They're idol worshiping in his family. But then his mama Rachel lies about it. Now, I don't know what your family's like and where you came out of, and you could very well say, my family's a dysfunctional family, but I don't know if you can match this one. And here, Joseph comes out of this situation. Now, now what, what, what are we trying to get here? What we're trying to say is, do not... Do not use your upbringing, do not use your family, do not use circumstances or your environment to justify your sin. And that's exactly what we do. I've already made mention this morning, we're, we're all wanting to point fingers at everybody else. That the society in which we live is a society where nobody's at fault. It's because I came out of a bad environment. It's because I didn't have enough education. It's because of this. It's because of that. I didn't have the chance to live in a, a better neighborhood. I'm telling you, that's nothing but a lie from the pits of hell. I want you to know, Joseph is proof that you can come out of dysfunction and be functional. Oh, by the way, there are some who believe in generation curses. Joseph's life throws a big hole into that theory. Now, I understand that your sins can be passed. I understand all of that. But when you believe in a generational curse, this is what you're going to come. Well, my daddy was like that. My granddaddy was like that. And it's just meant for me to be who I am. That's a lie. What is wrong with us? We want to blame everybody else. For the message that we're in. We want to blame our family. And you may come from a dysfunctional family. Maybe your father was an alcoholic. Your granddaddy was an alcoholic. Oh, you go on down the line. But I'm telling you, you do not need to use that in his excuse. I'm telling you the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life and the power of God and what he can do in your life can mess that all up. So here... We see he came out of a dysfunctional family. His childhood was dysfunctional, but it doesn't stop then. We also see that as we go through his family history, the question lies in, how did this all begin? How did this all get started? goes all the way back to Abraham. Remember, Abraham lied about his wife. Abraham also got out of the will of God. Because God had promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child. But Abraham didn't trust God. So he took matters and his wife took matters into their own hand. And we hear of another handmaiden, Hagar. Hagar had a boy named Ishmael. 
Ishmael means in Hebrew, wild man. Right? And because of that sin of Abraham, we are still having problems in the Middle East because Ishmael and Isaac didn't get along then, they're not getting along now. And may I go ahead and add, some of your dysfunction, some of the trouble that you may be having in your family, some of the problems that we may have in the church family, could it be is that we have allowed Ishmael to be in the same household as Isaac? And that's the problem. Because there's constant conflict. And I'm telling you, it's time for the church to get rid of the Ishmael and kick him out, tell him to stay out, and understand that as long as Ishmael's in the house, there's going to be conflict. And when there's conflict, productivity will cease. Just think about this. What does dysfunctional mean? Well, let's look at what the word functional means. Now, this afternoon, I am not going to name any names, but it's, it's, uh, it was one, it's our church family, uh, ch- some of our church family. We was at this particular restaurant. We were having lunch, and, and I noticed that uh, they were having some issues over there. Uh, somebody spilt something, and they had to go and clean that up, and not long after that, somebody spilt something else, and they had to clean that up, and I couldn't help it. I just went over there, and I said, are y'all having problems today? And uh, they said, yeah, and someone spoke up and says, yeah, Satan has come to eat lunch with us. And uh, then uh, uh, one of the other family members, something got all over a, a white shirt or whatever the color shirt was, and, 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 I, and, I, and I couldn't help but get chuckled at that because uh, I'm thinking, all right, my family's normal <laughs> Uh, don't y'all, don't y'all, don't y'all, doesn't that refresh you when you see other families having issues and you're over thinking, oh, I'm not the only one. <laughs> There's times when we're not functional, right? That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about on a consistent basis, being dysfunctional. As, as I was thinking about that, I, I started to list some things and I'm going to uh, just really help you out here as if you didn't already know uh, uh, some of this, but I'm going to help you out on how you uh, can have a dysfunctional family. Okay, are you ready for that? Go ahead and you need to write these down because I know you're wanting to say, man, I really need to know this. First of all, you can have a dysfunctional family when you're building your family on deception. Well, you're just not flat out being honest with one another. But by the way, I am talking about individual families, but this, these principles carry over to the church family. Are y'all catching this? And so uh, if we want to have a dysfunctional family, then we need to be deceptive. We don't need to be forthright truthful. But then I started, and then I thought, well, you, just have, you need to have a big dose of jealousy. Throw some envy in there too. This is what this is Joseph's family. Okay? They were dysfunctional. 
And if you want to be dysfunctional, you want to be in a dysfunctional family, you need to have jealousy. Have a lot of it. One wanting to outdo the other. And by the way, parents, you, you can really feed this if you're not careful. You should treat your children equally. By the way, in the church family, we need to be treated the same. Okay? I don't get a pass. You don't get a pass. When I act out, I need to be called. Y'all with me? But then we all went on and we said, we need to uh, be out of the will of God. Now go back to Abraham. This is how this thing started, right? Abraham was out of the will of God. How do you know he's out of the will of God? Because God promised him and he did not have enough faith in that promise so he took things into his own hands. When you take things into your own hands, you're out of the will of God. Okay? But then there's, there's more. You need to be sure that you learn how to manipulate people and that you have a control issue. It's gotten awful quiet. <laughs> and I'm not here to be ugly. I'm not here to beat up on people. I'm just telling you, if you want to be dysfunctional, you go by those rules and you'll be dysfunctional. Church, if we want to be dysfunctional, just follow these rules. We'll be dysfunctional. But as I made mention already, we do not have to stay dysfunctional. <laughs> Isn't that good? And this is where I went ahead, and, and I'm trying to get there very quickly. We, we see here Joseph's life. And as I made mention, nowhere in Scriptures do you see a recorded sin of Joseph. Joseph was the same person. He was the same person if he was in the pit or if he was in the palace. You could count on this on Joseph. Consistency. No matter what came into his life. Folks, I'm telling you, stuff is going to come into our lives. And how we react should be no different than when everything's going okay. Right? And so Joseph was consistent all the way through. Joseph always took the high road. Joseph... In, in Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20, he says, he said, they meant it for evil, but God turned it into good. I don't know about you, but I get excited to know that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. And you may be going through a bad time. You may be going through some stuff. Maybe you're in a dysfunctional family. Whatever the case may be, I got good news for you. You don't have to stay dysfunctional. You don't have to fall into that trap. You can become functional for the Lord Jesus Christ. How can we say that? Look at Joseph. Joseph is an example here. But then I started thinking, okay, how, how do we become functional? I want you to turn to Colossians. If you're in my Sunday school class, you need prayer <laughs> for one thing, but uh, you uh, have already heard this, but you just go ahead and act like this is the first time you heard it, okay? Everybody there? Colossians chapter 3. We're looking at verses 1 through 4. We're, we're camping out right now on how to be functional. How to be functional, okay? Here's what the Scripture says. It says, 
And if we then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So first of all, we're functional because we've been risen in Christ. We have a promise that there are some benefits with being risen in Christ. What does that mean? That means that we have a new life in the Lord Jesus. See, to be risen means that one time you had to be dead, right? In order to have a resurrection, you've got to have a death. And so the Bible tells us quite clearly that we were all dead in our trespasses. Amen? The Bible also says that we, spiritually speaking, were dead. We were walking dead people. But the Lord Jesus Christ came into our hearts because of our repentance and our confession of our sin, and we called on His name by faith. We called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, and the Lord Jesus comes in, and He settles in, and He now lives with inside of us. And so now those of us who at one time were dead, we have new life in Jesus Christ. We've been risen with the Lord Jesus Christ. But then He goes on, and it says not only that, but we have a promise that He's sitting there at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for us. He knows that we are dysfunctional. He knows that we have some issues. He knows that we have some things that we need to work through. But praise be to God, He's sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. I don't know about you, that gives me comfort to know that I have someone on my team. I have someone who's pleading my case. <laughs> I don't know if you've been in court lately. About half of you have, but that's another story for another day. But we've been in court, and, and maybe you had to get a lawyer, and you had all the trust that you've got the best lawyer in town. But I'm telling you, sometimes lawyers will mess you up. Right? But King Jesus will never let you down. When he pleads your case, he wins it every time. <laughs> God, I'm about to have a spell right now. So here, look in verse number two. He says, and set your affections on things above. See, the reason why many of us are still dysfunctional is because we've gotten caught in our circumstances. We've got caught in this trap. We're, we're looking around and says, oh man, I don't, know, I, I don't know why, how in the world did I ever have a family like I got? Some of you might be thinking about some of us. You're, you're coming and I'm part of your church family and you're thinking, oh Lord, why did I get him? And I mean, we can all go around and, and mope and gripe and complain. But here's what we need to understand. For us to become functional, we got to not look on things around us. We need to look at things above us. Amen? Because this is all temporary. By the way, just to go ahead and give you some good news today, this thing down here ain't going to last forever. But what we have waiting for us will last for all eternity. Oh, glory to God. That's what we have when we've been risen in Christ. He's given us abundant life. He's given us eternal life. And that's what gets you out of a dysfunctional family to where you become functional for the Lord Jesus Christ when you start putting your affections upon things above. But then he goes on in verse number 3. He says, For ye are dead. 
And your life is hid with Christ in God. Now, watch this. Let's just go on to the first one, number four. We're going to come back to verse number three. He says, when Christ, who is our life. Now, I got to stop and tell you something about here. For some strange reason, we put our lives in categories. We have our social life. We have our business life. We have our uh, recreational life. And then we have a church life. That could be why you're dysfunctional. Because the scripture here says that he is our life. Not a part of your life. He is your life. And everything centers around him. All this other stuff will play itself out. That's the reason why many of our churches are dysfunctional. Because we're trying to compartmentalize every aspect of our life. With the scripture here and in Colossians, Paul is trying to remind us Jesus is our life. But then he goes on, he says, he, and he shall appear. <laughs> that ought to get you excited right there. He said, you shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Now, we'll go back to verse number 3. The Bible says, if you want to become functional for the Lord Jesus Christ, you got to be dead. What, 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 you just told us we were alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you need to understand that you can be both dead and alive. See, you're dead to your sin. You're dead to the old man. You're dead to your old, you're dead to your old ways. See, when you're dead to sin, that means sin no longer controls you. It no longer has dominion over you. Because we're dead, we become alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're dead to sin, but we're alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then this is what, and, and this is a driving force for us to become functional. This is the reason why I don't have to be caught up in being dysfunctional. I don't have to buy into these lives where it's always going to be like it is because you're starting to now put your attention to the things of above. And when you put your things above, you will understand there's coming a day. I said there's coming a day when the Lord Jesus himself will appear. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is one of my favorite verses. I always like to quote 1 Thessalonians 4 at the cemetery because there's coming a day when the cemeteries are going to start popping open because the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first and those of us who are left behind will be called up together. <laughs> that means that loved one that's buried, you don't get a head start. They're going to catch up to you. We're going up together. But we also see when you're raised in, in newness of life, one day there will be a bodily resurrection. You're not catching on to this. One day there will be a bodily resurrection. The Bible says it will be a glorified body. That means that the frailties and the limitations that we have now, you will no longer have them because the Lord Jesus will give you a new body. I don't know about you, but I'm looking to the day that no matter how poor my eyesight get, one day I'm going to see 2020. Matter of fact, I believe I'm going to see better than 2020. I'm going to have some 
some new eyes. Some of you are going to have some new knees. Some of you are going to have a new heart. Some of you will have new lungs. But whatever the case may be, we'll have a new body and we will appear and we will see Jesus face to face. And the Bible says we will receive glory. But I want you to know, positionally speaking, we've already received it. Positionally speaking, we've already seen it. And so here, Colossians helps us to show us how we can become functional. Now, I know I'm a very simple man. Sometimes that's not bad. And this is how I'm taking all of this. I don't know what you've come out of. I don't know what you may be in. You may still be in a dysfunctional family. Maybe you have issues and you're looking and thinking, this has been an ongoing problem with our family. You do not have to settle for that anymore. You can become functional for the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Brother Mike, you don't understand what I've done. You don't, you don't understand the, some of the things I think. That has absolutely nothing to, do, nothing to do with that because the Bible says when you confess your sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us from our sins. As far as the east is from the west and bring them to remembrance no more. There's a key word there, the word all. I've studied the Greek and I did a word study on all. You know what all means in Greek? All. All. Past, present, future. I'm telling you, your problem is you're not putting your affections on the things above. You've taken your eyes off the Lord Jesus Christ and we can fix this function but we can only fix it the way God says we can fix it. And that's being raised in newness of life and, and acting upon the resources that He has given us to become functional. It's amazing to me when I start dealing with families and talking to families and they start telling me about the their dysfunctions and when I was in drug and alcohol counseling I got to where I didn't even have to uh, really ask a whole lot of questions when the family would come in only thing I had to do was just change the name because the stories were all the same I'm telling you we're all dysfunctional we're all dysfunctional but we don't have to stay that way and we don't have to be bound by that because we've been set free by the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ sets you free, you're free indeed. So no matter where you've come from, no matter where you're at, you can be functional for the Lord Jesus Christ. So we got to wait and we'll throw that excuse out. Here's what we have to decide this evening. Do I want to become functional? See, you have a choice in this. You really do. Now, 
And if you're Calvinistic in your theology, you might argue with me on that. Of course, you'll lose the argument because man has a free will. And you have a responsibility. See, here's the problem with some of the Calvinistic theology. It takes man's responsibility out. And that's how our society is built upon. Nobody's responsible. What will be, will be. And we've bought into it. Not only in society, but we've bought into it in the church. Well, you don't have this. It's hard to give up this. Well, it's hard if you're doing it by yourself. My daddy, very quick story. My daddy was an alcoholic. As long as I can remember, my dad would always come home. He was still functional and work, and, but he'd come home. He'd start drinking about 3 in the afternoon. He'll drink until he passes out. I cannot remember a time growing up and even in my teenage years that I do not remember a day go by that my daddy didn't drink himself. He, he just drank till he passed out. My brother and I, we uh, kind of started following suit because we just thought, hey, it's meant to be. If you went on and you, my granddad and on down the list, all that, they were all drinkers. And so we got caught into that trap. My daddy got saved five years before he died of lung cancer. My dad told me he went to rehab uh, two times, relapsed both times. Church had prayed for him, prayed for him, prayed for him. You've heard the story before. But I think it's a, a, appropriate for this evening. Five years before Daddy died, Daddy got saved. So we were joyful for that, but here's what we were doing. We were going out to eat. My dad liked to go eat on Friday night. He liked to eat steak on Friday night. I mean, that was, he just, that's just what he did. So we started looking for places that didn't sell alcohol because we didn't want Daddy to be tempted. Now, it's, it was tough then. It's almost impossible to find a place now that doesn't sell alcohol. So my dad was a pretty sharp guy, and after a few occasions when we're driving all over creation <laughs> to find a place they didn't sell her alcohol, Daddy told us one night, he says, let's just go ahead and put this thing to rest. I said, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? He says, I know what y'all been doing. He says, but I'm telling you, when Jesus saved me, the desire for alcohol left. Now, what am I saying is rehab? I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is when you have issues and you can try all the things you want to try, if you just get a good dose of the Holy Ghost, He'll take care of that for you. Amen? And so you no longer have to become dysfunctional. You don't have to operate in a dysfunctional lifestyle. You can be functional for the Lord Jesus Christ because the power of God has resided in us and we need to act upon what He's given us. And the last time I checked, it says that He will pour out the riches of glory and His riches of glory never dry up. So how do we become... From dysfunctional to functional, Colossians 1, 
we first of all have to realize we've been risen in Christ. And because we've been risen in Christ, we have died to the power of sin. We've been hid in Christ. And one glorious day, we'll be glorified in Christ as well. I don't know about you, but I believe that's enough for us to understand how to become functional once again.